Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition. We have a very special episode coming to you live from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, for a live Q&A session where a number of great questions came up from the audience. But first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by The Secrets of Successful Syndication. If you've exhausted your own funds to invest in real estate, you've just brought your own investment career to a halt. Developing the skill to raise capital legally, reliably, and professionally might be just what you need to unlock the ceiling to your investment portfolio. This two-day workshop maps out how to transform your business into one where you enlist the help and capital of others to scale your portfolio. It's hosted by my good friends Robert Helms and Russell Gray of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. They're such a class act. For every 15th and 16th in Dallas, Texas, it'll be a chance for us to meet in person as well. For more information, go to victorjm.com slash events. That's victorjm.com slash events. And click on the link for the secrets of successful syndication. We are back here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a live Q&A session. We've got some great questions from members of the audience. Enjoy this live Q&A. In this particular segment, we have a member of the audience asking questions about a particular neighborhood in Philadelphia and wondering about whether we can really attract the kind of rents that we are talking about at $1,650 a month. It's a great question. Here's the answer. That's a good question. You never want to necessarily be a trailblazer to do something first yourself. You want to see proof of that already working in the marketplace. So I'd rather be a fast follower than a trailblazer. Take something that's already demonstrated to be working and copy it. Just copy it better. It's safer. If there's already proof of that strategy working, there will be experts in the market that have that knowledge. Your job is to find them. It's like a scavenger hunt. You don't have to invent anything. You just have to find the information. Um, you know how we how we found out about Lake Charles. Uh, one of my partners, her neighbor, her neighbor's brother is the port director of Lake Charles. Again, we weren't looking to Google for answers. We found out about the information firsthand from the guy who's negotiating these deals, these mega deals, um, you know, to, to, to lease major parcels of land uh, to, to these plants. So we find out what's really happening. Yeah, you can go talk to the Economic Development Authority, and they're running around behind people, putting together PowerPoint uh, presentations, extracting data and just trying to curate the data, but they don't really know. You got to find out from the people that are in the trenches doing it firsthand, um, in my experience. So it's, it's just a lot of relationship building, asking a lot of questions, asking a lot of naive questions, even if you think you know the answer, often you don't. Um, and you know, ask the same question, you think you know the answer, five, six, seven people, and, uh, and pay attention to the outlier data that you get because there's sometimes something in that outlier data that you need to pay attention to. You know, one of the things that, one of the mistakes that we often, as human beings, fall prey to is something called confirmation bias. Uh, and confirmation bias is, if, if I told you the world is, if, you're, if your outlook is the world is a dangerous place, you'll go look for that data and say, yeah, look, see, the world's a dangerous place. If your viewpoint is the world is a beautiful place, and you go hunting for that data, you'll find plenty of, of evidence 
the world is a beautiful place. Whatever your point of view, often people go find data to reinforce that point of view. And, and that's great. It makes you feel good, but it's not, doesn't do good business because, you know, you need to be aware of the things that can surprise you. And so you got to be very aware of the of that process of confirmation bias and be constantly testing. You know, if, I'll give you a very simple example. Um, we're building this assisted living project in Lake Charles, and we had people telling us there's a shortage of assisted living. So we said, okay, let's go find out. So um, our, our operator, Low Hornbuckle, went and toured every single facility. And he looked around, and he said, man, these are disgusting. Um, I can beat these guys any day of the week. And then that wasn't good enough. We then went and commissioned a third-party market study from an independent consultant to go get their point of view, is there a real business opportunity? So, it, you know, it wasn't just the anecdotal. It wasn't even our own first-hand information. We actually commissioned a third, make sure that we were getting it from all angles. I think it's important to do that. Does that answer your question? This next question from an audience member is about the area surrounding Temple University. And Temple is in the middle of really what's quite a rough area. There's some really, really bad areas not far from the university campus. So his question relates to how do we decide to invest in this particular area? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we started, uh, our initial idea back in 2010, 2011, was to service Temple. Camp at that time, the campus had 13,000 students. There was a shortage of housing at the time. Then the university opened their own residence building with 1,200 beds, and that changed the dynamics of the market overnight. So there is actually a surplus of student housing, back to supply and demand, a surplus of student housing around Temple. So we are not focused on student housing at all. We're, um, now, some people who focus only on that try to adapt. Some said, okay, we'll take Section 8 tenants or what have you, but that's that's not a great... Yeah, so right now, student housing around Temple is overbuilt. So now, one of the things we noticed, like a lot of these student housings were built in the old Philadelphia townhouses, so they would maximize the number of bedrooms because in the student housing mindset, you're charging by the bedrooms. So you say, okay, in this space, I can get four bedrooms, four times $500, 2000 bucks a month, boom. You would even take out a living room and make another bedroom if you could in the student housing mindset. But what we found was there was a there was a surplus of three, four, and five bedroom units and a shortage of ones and twos. And the re reason we discovered that is we had a lady who was a graduate student who rented a three-bedroom apartment for just herself because that's all she could find. And we said, oh. She said, yeah, there's no one-bedrooms anywhere. So we stopped doing three- and four-bedroom, and we only now do ones and twos because that's where the shortage is. Back to supply and demand. Get it? Supply and demand? As you can tell, I love to answer your questions. If you'd like to meet in person, there's a chance to meet me February 15th and 16th in Dallas at the Secrets of Successful Syndication. For more information for tickets, go to victorjm.com slash events. That's victorjm.com slash events. And we'll see you in Dallas in February. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.